The reality is is now on Patreon, and here are some of our fabulous supporters. Jesse Willis. I may not run in traffic, but I'll give you a run for your money. Rody. When you work in quality assurance, perfection comes easy. Tori Tuchilo. When Tori steps on the scene, you are his story. Eugene Henderson. In the game of life, I choose Jeopardy. Maria M. Where I come from, they sing God Save the Queen. The truth is, it's actually me. Becca Simon. If you can't stand the heat come to minnesota jill hirsch your petty drama can't take this warrior down jamie all some people call me cold but it's not me it's that minnesota weather sarah gibbs you may not like the cut of my jet but that's what you get from sarah gibbs richie d if you can't be cool you can't be with caduce megan shah i may be a model but i'll never be your model minority samaj bledson the fun bus is here and i'm driving on the turn Pike. Eleanor Manning. I run with a fabulous circle of people, and they're not even on my payroll. Danny McLaughlin. First, I came out, and now I'm coming for everything. Kelly Paper. I may be from down under, but don't ever underestimate me. Seiran Hayati. In Sweden, we have ABBA, IKEA, and if you mess with me, some other four-letter words. Jessica Riley. Where I come from, money can buy you anything, but I'll take the garbage plate. Chastity Davis. Don't be fooled by my name. The only thing I abstain from is your bullshit. Sarah Watkins, Philstein. Playtime is over. This mom means business. Laura Zielinski. Whether it's breast pumping or fist bumping, this mama brings the party. Jill Walsh. I made it up the hill myself and I'll kick any jack off. And finally, diamonds aren't a girl's best friend. John Friedman is. usually record our Wednesday episodes the morning that I release them but today <laughs> today I am recording for you guys at 7:30 in the morning and so whenever you hear this if you hear this on Wednesday I just woke up okay um it's another solo episode Arthi is still not here I mean I don't know why I'm saying that you guys know she's gone for 7 weeks but we are going to maybe try to get her on in some capacity Arthi maybe you can send me a voice note and I'll add it to the podcast cuz I feel like people miss your voice like I do. Um, today we're talking about Summer House and Real Houses of New Jersey. Usually our Wednesday episode is Salt Lake City and Summer House, but as you may have noticed, there was a big concert on Sunday, so there was no Salt Lake City, which is apparently going to be the finale. Hmm. Anyway, we're talking about Summer House and Real Houses of New Jersey. Real Houses of New Jersey real fresh last night. I actually stayed up and watched it, but I didn't realize that Jersey was on at 8 p.m. I just, I don't know. I just assume now that Bravo is putting their shows on later and later at night because they're just trying to torture us. Like, I can't stay up for Watch What Happens Live. <laughs> it's too late. I'm, I'm not, I'm not the young whippersnapper, okay? Um, But I did watch Jersey last night. It was very good. Um, but we're going to talk about Summer House first. So this week on Summer House, it was funny because like last week ended with Amanda crying at the end of her birthday party. And like, did you guys notice that like, we barely even touched on it? Like, 
<laughs> we opened up this episode and nobody even acknowledged that like Amanda had been sobbing <laughs> in her room. Like everything just like picks up at like Paige and Andrea like making out and like a bunch of girls in Amanda's room. But then like they just move on to end of the night shit like Danielle and Lindsay coming back. But yeah, there's like no follow up on Amanda's like disastrous end of night. It just moves on because I feel like even the editors are like, whatever, she fucking cries all the time. Who cares? I want to talk about Kyle and Amanda first so that we can get out of the way and get to the meat and potatoes of this episode, obviously. Kyle still hasn't gotten Amanda a gift. They go on this like dumb date and it just makes me wonder again, like why and how are we going to watch these two get married by the end of the season? How and why and what is this that we're watching? Like even that dinner that they went on, like there was something that Amanda said that I thought was strange. She was just like, oh, Kyle's family's not into gift giving, but I thought for my 30th, it would be a thing. Now, look, my husband, also his family, not into gift giving, okay? Birthdays, not a thing in my husband's family. But you best believe that that man knows that if if he could get me a present on Groundhog's Day, he would, okay? If it wasn't weird, maybe we can try to make that happen too. But he has to get me something for every single holiday because I'm a narcissist. But it's like you're married, you're getting married to a Leo. And Amanda is like trying to do the thing where she's like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. And then by the end of it, she's just like miserable. But it just at this point, Amanda, if you already know that he's not the kind to give gifts and you've let it pass, you've let it slide. You've said whatever, do whatever. I don't need it. It's not a necessity. You also shouldn't be surprised that this man is not doing anything for your birthday. Also, you guys are planning a wedding. Like, I don't know. Last year, as you guys know, I made a big deal about being reproposed to. Reproposed meaning just proposed to because I wasn't proposed to the first time around. So I knew that my husband at some point in February had purchased a ring. Don't ask how I knew, but I just knew. Okay, call me a spy if you must. So I wasn't expecting anything for Valentine's Day because I was like, all right, like I already know that there's like things in the works. It's similar to that. It's like you are already getting married and you're probably going to spend a lot of money at your wedding. So maybe that's why he didn't do it. Also, is it weird that later on Kyle says to Danielle, we just finished wedding invitations? It's July. Their wedding is at the end of August. No. Was it like a Labor Day wedding? It had to have been because that's how long they they shoot for. I don't know. Anyway, Kyle and Amanda are a mess. But the more and more I watch their miscommunication, like even later, Amanda, oh, it's a preview for next week where Kyle is like, besides Loverboy, we have nothing in common. Uh, Yeah, we know that. We can tell. You guys are literally a match made in hell. I don't know how we're going to watch this wedding. Anyway, enough about them. I spent too much time talking about them, and I don't care about them that much. Before we move on to the meat and potatoes of the episode, I do want to play a couple of voice notes that we got from our friends. Here is Giselle from Who Asked Me Podcast. She had a lot to say about Amanda last time she was on, so we're going to carry that over. Here we go. Okay, so this is my submission for Summer House Recap. Um, a couple things. I can no longer get on the poor Amanda train because of what, at first I was like, what the fuck does this dude not have a gift for his fiance for? However, Amanda said one key sentence for me that I was like, nope, nope, I'm not about to cry with you here, girl, which was that Kyle's family is not big into gift giving. So with that being said, 
this is not the first, second, or third birthday y'all have spent together. I'm not understanding why after countless birthdays and holidays of no gifts, Amanda didn't tell her husband, hey, babe, I know we don't usually do gifts. However, for my 30th, this is what I'm expecting. I can't keep like, again, I can't keep going on the, oh, feel bad for Amanda. Kyle sucks so bad train. I mean, he sets himself up for failure, but like he's, it's just baffling to me that these two actually ended up getting married. I agree. That's almost exactly what I said. And that's why we're friends. <laughs> um, so the big other thing, obviously, on this episode is this conversation that Maya and Sierra start to have. You know, Maya's already in her feelings. In the beginning of the episode, she feels out of place. Andrea ignores her doesn't bring her a cup of coffee. Like I was watching that. I was like, you better go back and make her a cup of coffee and bring it for her too. Like it's really fucked up that like you don't even notice that she's there. That's really strange. And it's this like Rico Suave, you know, I don't know. I want to call him Mario from Super Mario Brothers because I do still believe that some of that accent is a little bit, it's a little bit played up for cameras, you know? But yeah, I, I was annoyed then and then when they're in the kitchen and Paige is like, uh, Sierra, uh, Maya, uh, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not good. Later on when she's crying at the beach and just feeling a lot of feelings, I get it. She keep They keep talking about it is in the Hamptons, when I'm in the Hamptons, the Hamptons. But it's not about being in the Hamptons. It's about being on a television show. Like that's the words that they can't say. So they say other things. But, you know, I don't have a lot to say about the conversation that they had because I think they said exactly what they needed to. I recognize their pain because I've been in that very situation many times, not even with other South Asian women, just like with other Latina women. There was a woman at work in my old job, like this is a lifetime ago. There was a girl named Jahira. She's a close friend of mine still. And Jahira and I had very similar aesthetic. We have a very similar body type. Jahira is Dominican and I'm Pakistani. And one time a guy, an older man, a white man at work came up to me, I think, or her and said, oh, Noor, and like said the wrong name, basically called one of us the other person's name. And then was like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's just that and kind of pointed at the other person's general desk direction was like, oh, well, you know, you guys, you sit so close together. I couldn't. And then he just kind of trailed off. And it was like, you couldn't what? Remember that we're two individual human beings? And mind you, at that point, Jahira was new and I had already been at the company for three years. So I get that frustration. I mean, I remember even middle school when I was about, I think in seventh grade, there was a girl named Mala who had just joined the school and she was Indian. And the joke, the running joke was, oh, Noor and Mala are sisters. No, we didn't look anything alike. We were like two chubby brown girls with mustaches, but that was about it. <laughs> we're two completely different people. And I had already been at the school for many years before that. So I get that frustration of being bunched up with other people of color or other people who look like you and stripped of your individuality. 
But I think what Maya and Sierra said and did was so brave. It's like Danielle said, it was extremely courageous and something Danielle couldn't do. I mean, I recognized it when I first saw Danielle come on to Summer House. I was like, oh, these people are fully not giving a shit about this Latina girl. Like, they don't care about her. Lindsay cared about her because I guess they were friends from before, but they were completely disengaged from Danielle. And Danielle was always like, working hard to get to the shore house, to get to where she needed to be and all that stuff. But it was like, she was barely a person there. It was always about other people. And I think last time when Giselle was on, we talked about, you know, feeling frustrated that Sierra ends up being a storyline, an anchor for these white people. And that is what happens because Bravo, we always say this is still made from the lens of white people for white people. Until that changes, until that narrative changes, until that like creative outlook changes, right? The people who are actually creating this content until that changes, until they become aware of what the minority experiences, what the black experiences, what the Asian experiences, what the Latina experiences, they're not going to be able to ever create content that looks like it's from our lens because it's not. Going back to what they said, I mean, it was perfect, but this conversation only happened because the black people in the room decided to have that conversation and the white people in the room decided to listen. It made me a little bit emotional by the end of it because you could definitely see in the room people who were like, oh, I thought I was so aware and I thought I was so like woke. I hate using that word, but I'm not and I've made a mistake. It's a difficult conversation to have as a person of color, as a black person. And, and I'm not going to downplay that it's a difficult conversation to hear. There's been countless times that people have reached out to our podcast to say, hey, by the way, you said something and I don't think you realize that you're saying a thing that's actually hurtful. And we'll usually try to correct it in the next episode or whatever, right? Because it's that we are doing this with the best of intentions. Nobody has bad intentions. But when we hear that feedback initially, it does like sting because you're like, damn, I fucked up. I hurt somebody. That sucks. And it's not like I'm feeling sad or bad about how they might be feeling, but I have empathy for how a person feels when they realize that they've hurt another person for whatever reason it might be. And you could see that in like Kyle's face for sure. It's like the one time that I'm like, oh, okay, this is why Kyle is Kyle and not like Jason Couchy. <laughs> you know, this is why like it makes a difference when you're a garbage human being, but you you don't disagree about fundamental human rights for all people, right? Like you could be a garbage, this is like what we always say, bravo, you could hire garbage human beings who are problematic in other ways, who are not great in other ways, but don't have to worry about their uh, view of other human beings as being not great. Like we talked about this with Salt Lake City. You know, you, there's, there's plenty of people that you can cast who, you know, aren't racist, but are still entertaining and problematic in other ways or a mess in other ways. But that's Kyle. I mean, Kyle grew up in Vermont. I'm pretty sure he comes from like a super duper liberal family. So you could tell in his face, like, fuck, like that's not enough. And I didn't, I didn't look out for these black women in my house because it's just not on my radar. And so I, I don't know, I thought it was a great conversation. But again, I do think that it was only great because there were people in the room who were actually willing to hear that conversation, internalize that conversation and have empathy and sympathy for the people in the room having the conversation. Alex, whoa, who knew? Alex had so much to say. He was awesome. And it kind of like 
I'm going to just try to psychoanalyze Alex for just a minute. You know, it it makes sense why Alex is the way he is. Like, we think he's so boring. Like, oh my God, Alex, shut up about your protein. But Alex saying that he was in that party and everybody kept making him feel like he was working the party, like he was catering, like he was a bartender. Alex has likely had that experience many, many times before. So what does Alex do? What do an, What does an Asian person do? What does a minority do in that situation? They try to make themselves more interesting. They try to make themselves more unique. They try to make themselves more palatable for people, you know, oh, look, I have this amazing body and I'm, you know, a fitness guy. And maybe that's what you'll see instead of an Asian guy who might be working a party. And that's that's the struggle of being a minority in a space where people have other expectations of you. I've said it myself about just last episode, we talked about Sierra and how I get frustrated with her, but at the same time, it's not fair that I'm getting frustrated with her because I seem to have some expectation for her to do better. That is taking away her individuality. She gets to be who she wants to be on camera. If she wants to be Paige's sidekick or whatever, that's fine. That's a choice that she gets to make because that's who she is. She doesn't have to carry the weight of representing every single black person in the room because the white people don't have to do that. So why should she, right? So anyway, this is a very early morning, probably mess of a conversation, but I just thought it was great. I thought it was a wonderful conversation. I think it's exactly what a real life conversation like that should be. Um, I do want to clock Luke. (laughs) Luke, you dumb, dumb dodo bird. What were you saying? I know what Luke was saying. Luke was saying, if you feel left out, don't worry. I feel left out too because it's a hard group to break into. I think that's what Luke was obviously trying to say. And I'm so glad that Kyle was like, uh, yeah, but it's very, very different for two black women because their experience is much, much harder. It carries a lot more other weight that you're never going to understand as a white man. Look at that. Look at that, Kyle. You can figure that out, but you cannot figure out how to get a gift for your fiance's 30th birthday. But people are really mad at Luke. People are really, really mad at Luke. But guess what, guys? At the Golden Crappies, Maya and Luke were snuggly bugly. They were snuggling up. So don't get that mad at Luke because they seem to be just fine. What else happened at this episode? Oh, Danielle, we've learned Danielle is doing a startup, which is great. I love a minority woman in tech as a minority woman in tech myself. Very exciting. I believe that Danielle does exactly what my job is. So it's always funny to like hear her in meetings. And I'm like, do you work at the same company I work at? She does. She worked in finance tech and I work in big pharma tech. I'm responsible for the chips everybody has implanted in their bodies because of the COVID vaccine. Anyway, that was it. That was a great Summer House episode. I want to finish playing some of the voice notes I got from you guys. Thank you so much for sending them. I feel so awkward and it's just me talking. So I'm going to share some voice notes. I'm going to pick back up with Giselle, who did have more to say about this conversation that Maya and Sierra had with the housemates. I think it was a good conversation, yes. There is a few more layers of that conversation that I would like to see just as a Black woman. However, I'm not going to you know, get into some of the like, oh, should have done this, should have done that. Because like I've said before, being black is not linear. So I think Maya and Sierra did a good job. I wish Paige wouldn't have started crying because as soon as that happened, Sierra immediately hugged her and this isn't about you. And I know, I know, I can't stand Paige, but I'm just like, ugh. Also, Luke, what? I get what he was trying to say, being like, hey, um, it was even hard for me to come into this, but not the time, buddy. 
not the time. And in a shocking turn of events, Kyle was the, actually the one that was like, yo, shh, you're not getting it. And I find that baffling because he is friends with Saucy Schroeder. But whatever. Um, besides that, again, back to Amanda and Kyle, I'm, I'm just not getting it because she, Amanda had a microphone moment, like not a hot mic moment, but she ran off at the beach and said, I don't want a room with him. I want my own room. I can't believe I have to ride home with him. I can't believe I have to do this. But then next week we see that everyone's probably going to be up in arms to say the only thing that we have in when Kyle says the only thing we have in common is lover boy. Why do we let Amanda get away with saying, I don't want to be in the room with him. I don't want to be on this. And this is what she says with a microphone on. So what the fuck is she saying without one on? They're both equally as bad. They really are. I agree. They are both equally as bad. And I can't believe we have to watch them get married. All right. What else we got? Um, Eugene, Eugene, our friend Eugene from Problematic Podcast, he had something to say as well. Hey, Nora, it's Eugene from Problematic Pod. Listen, I just watched uh, Summer House, and what is up with that Black History Month pop-up like sticker on the screen? I think the episode was impactful and uh, kind of probably the most important episode of Summer House ever, but um, that felt like pandering. Uh, totally felt like pandering. And then they did it again during uh, Real Housewives of New Jersey. I don't get it. Um, no link to anything. It just said Black History Month. I think it said United We Stand or Together. <sighs> Some bullshit like that. Whatever. Love you guys. Okay. So I told Eugene as soon as he sent me that voice note, I, heard, I listened to it. And I did say, I don't know. I didn't see it. I'm not going to lie. When I'm taking notes, I'm very much not paying attention to other stuff that's happening on the screen. But... I did not see that pop up on Hulu. I don't know if that was a specific thing elsewhere. Maybe I'll go back and watch it again. But that is a weird pandering thing to just have a pop up that says Black History Month. Huh? (laughs) What are we doing about Black History Month? We all know what month it is. (laughs) What else? Um, Let's see. What else? What else? Oh, and then Samaj also sent a voice note. So I'm going to share that one. Hey, Nora. Hey, Artie. I love you guys so much. My thoughts on Summer House was it was a good episode. As a person of color, I really appreciate the race conversation. And I have a confession. I think I like Alex. And I think I like him because he is so unlikable and so unliked by the majority. Like, I think I want to like him because other people don't like him. Also, um, I'm starting to see a new side of the Amanda versus Kyle of it all. Like, I think she's just as much culpable as he is, but like in a different way. So it's interesting because I'm very usually firmly on the side of the woman in any debate against a man because, you know, men suck and men are trash. But, you know, maybe Amanda's not so innocent. But, you know, Kyle can definitely do better in more ways than one. Love seeing Lindsay. She's the man. She's the man of the house. She's killing it. Um, And I think I might be warming up to Luke. I don't know. Love you guys. Bye. Yeah, Lindsay is the man of the house. Did you guys see Lindsay's Valentine's Day post to Carl? It's so sweet. And I want those two to get married and make a million babies. I just think that they're like amazing for each other. I saw that their hashtags, I think it was summer should be fun. The Instagram account, summer should be fun, said that their wedding hashtag or their couple hashtag is going to be rad house. And I love that. I love that for Lindsay. I love that for Carl. I love that mostly, most of all for us, the viewers. Let's head over to the beautiful Garden State, New Jersey. Okay. We open up at Dolores' townhouse and her kids 
it seems like her kids are now reading the same script that Dolores has read over the last few seasons. <laughs> like, Frank Jr., Frankie, Frankie, Frankie and Gabby. That's how they say their names, which, like, I'm not going to mock. That's how, like, a mom says their name. Maybe I say my kid's name in a weird way that other people would make fun of. I don't know. But it just made me laugh. Little Frankie and Gabby come over. And my favorite part about this is that Gabby continues to call her father Frank. <laughs> I don't know why. I just loved it so much. Listen, she's the only person I trust in this whole situation. She's the only Catania for me is Gabrielle or Gabby or Gabriella. I don't know her name. Gabby Catania is my favorite Catania. Okay. She's like, listen, I'm a veterinarian. I'm a doctor of pets. <laughs> is that what you get when you get your degree? Doctor of pets. You know, it's like MD. It's like DP. Anyway, I love her. I just think she's great. And I think it's hilarious because she has Frank's exact face. That is the only person with a real face, by the way, in the Catania family. Okay. She's the only one. She has her natural face. She has her natural skin color. Okay. She's not jacked up. She's like, hey guys, guess what? We're white American Italians. Okay. Let's just act like it. She's never said it, but I feel like that's what she's thinking. But I just love that she calls her dad Frank. And it's funny to watch the kids have a conversation and it's like the same stuff. It's the same stuff from before. The townhouse and the renovation and my furniture and dad and Frank. And it's like they literally read the Dolores script from three seasons ago and we're like, okay, so we just need to repeat that. All right, cool, mom. You got it. Um, Frank is moving back into the house after this renovation. Now, they, were, they used to live together, quote unquote, on the show in like 2017, 2018. Then the house was being renovated. So then Dolores moved in somewhere else, maybe into David's house. And then they built David's house. And then their house was being renovated still. And then Dolores bought a townhouse or moved into a townhouse. But regardless, Frank is moving back into this renovated house with Dolores when the house is done. And Gabby thinks it's a terrible idea. I agree. Again, the most sensible Catania in the room. I wonder to myself, hey, Dolores, if your kids don't like their dad and they've not had to live with this man for many years, for most of their life, why are you forcing them to live together? Oh, because it's a storyline on your television show. That's what it is. Don't do that to Gabby, okay? Let her be with her dogs and her job and her sweet face and her amazingly long hair. Leave her alone. But Gabby, you keep fighting that fight against Frank because Frank sucks. Everybody loves Frank Catania. I mean, I do enjoy watching him and Dolores together, but he's like a crummy dude. We move over to the Judice girls. Gia has made a sweatshirt out of her song, and she's at quote unquote boutiques all over New Jersey, which I don't think she is. I think it's like one boutique in like Bergen County where she decided to start selling her sweatshirts and <laughs> just the whole setup. The whole setup, the boutique, the baggy sweatshirts, the fact that this is like a sweatshirt line, quote unquote, the photo shoot, everything. It's just so New Jersey. Like I, I don't know how to explain it to you, but it just feels like a very New Jersey moment. And I don't know how to describe it besides I'm from here and I that's just what it feels like to me. The girls are talking about their uncle Joey. Louis wants to get together with the Gorgas and the Judices and have a pizza party. 
And Melania says she doesn't want to really see her uncle because I guess at this point, they've not even spoken for six months. Melania is the most upset with Joey Gorga because of all of the juicy slander. Nobody loves Juicy Joe more than Melania. <laughs> I do think that Juicy Joe and Melania's relationship is really, really, really cute. I don't know what I know that her dad is like a super problematic guy, but he must be like a great father. She's really close to him and they're really sweet. But Melania is not having any of it. She says, I don't really want to see them. I'm over it. And I just love the way she finishes that conversation. Gia's like, okay, scene's over. I got to go make money. And Melania literally just walks away and says to Teresa, I'm not talking about this anymore. And the way Teresa, her face is like, ooh, okay. You can tell that Melania runs the house. <laughs> the spirit of Juicy Joe Judice is inside of Melania. It's like when he left the Bahamas, he did some sort of like, I don't know. Is that where he is? Bermuda, Baham? I don't know where he lives. But it's like, when he left the airport, he did a spell and this, the soul of Juicy Joe Judice went into Melania and Melania was like, I got this, dad. Don't worry about it. Joey Gorga, Frank Catania, and Joe the Plumber, Benigno, Vignette, I don't know. They meet up and Jersey loves the husband scene, but I always find that there's not a lot that actually gets done during the husband scenes. Like they always just meet up, they order food, they drink. They kind of talk about the gossip that's going on amongst the women, but there's not any new information that's shared. And it's so stupid, but I also find myself really enjoying it. I really, it's a real mindfuck. In that conversation, they start talking about men who cheat and Frank says that men cheat because they're animals. What? No. Huh? That's, no, you're an animal, Frank Atania. You're an animal that you cheated on your perfect wife, Dolores. Not all men just you. They talk about all the house stuff and the kids stuff with Dolores and Frank. And they also talk about how they feel really bad for Bill. But the weird thing is they still blame Jennifer for why this is happening, which like, I what? Like Joe Benigno is like, yeah, I haven't really called Bill to check on him because, you know, I'm too close to the fire. Like there's too much going on between Marge and Jennifer. But ultimately, you know, it's because Jennifer can't keep her mouth shut. It's his wife. Like his wife did a number. No, no, no. Jennifer is a monster, yes, but it's your wife's fault that this is out. It's your wife's fault that Bill is now hurting. It's your wife's fault. So that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Jackie and Evan go to a dinner because their kids are away and they want to plan a frat party while the kids are away. Cute. But one thing I automatically noticed is that Jackie was not eating. And we learned so much more about her eating disorder. And we know that at, at that moment when they're filming the show, she is actively spiraling. She is relapsing on her eating disorder. She talks about knowing actively that the way that she is eating is unhealthy and the way that she is avoiding food is unhealthy and how regimented she is with her food intake is unhealthy. And that was really hard for me to watch because I, over last summer, kind of came to terms with my own eating disorder. My husband in like September, I guess not summer, fall. My husband around the fall pointed out to me that I don't eat. He's the one that said it because I was like, oh my God, I can't stop gaining weight. I don't know what's going on, blah, 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 blah. And I started looking into all these other programs and my husband was like, I don't know what you're trying to do, but I just want you to know that you haven't been eating. And I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> that's not good. And I felt bad for my husband because that has to be difficult. And I, he only had to deal with it for a couple of months, right? But Evan has, I guess, been now dealing with, with it for the whole, the entirety of their marriage, their relationship. And it's sweet that they have a strong bond because 
Jackie can talk to Evan about these things. Evan tells her, I think it's time to see a professional. And Jackie says, yes. So obviously this is Jackie's storyline. This is what she's choosing to present on camera. Do I think that conversation is a real conversation they've had? Yes. Do I feel like that scene is the first time they had that conversation? No. I think Jackie and Evan have had that conversation before and they just decided to sort of replay it for the cameras because it felt like a little bit staged. I think the emotions were real, but it felt a little bit put on for cameras. Anyway, Jackie's making phone calls and inviting everybody to this kegger and she calls Jennifer genuinely to see how Jennifer is doing, but she also says, I don't think that Dolores is really being the friend that you needed because they're talking about what happened at Dolores' townhouse and how Jennifer kind of felt like she got run out of there because nobody was being kind, but specifically that Dolores wasn't really being the friend that Jennifer needed at that moment. And I agree. We go over to Louis's house. Louis has a pizza and feelings party for the Judices and Gorgas. Uh, you know, there's this thing on Jersey that I'm seeing, whether it's between Dolores or the Judices or the Gorgas, where it's like, haha, we're Italian. We're from Jersey. We don't talk about feelings. Okay. That's not good. This is not a good thing. You have several years Several years and several moments filmed on record on camera for national television to live in infamy that you don't know how to manage your feelings and you have popped off on multiple occasions. That's not a good thing. That's not something to be proud of. Why are we talking about it like, LOL, that's just how we are? You have multiple instances where you know that it was unhealthy behavior and you're like, well, we just don't do that. Well, maybe you should. Maybe you should all be in therapy. I will say, though, Louis, that man said nothing. I have no idea what he said. And I'm a very therapied up person. I've done several years of therapy. I love therapy. It's my favorite thing that I've done for myself as an adult. And I had no idea what Louis was saying. So how are you going to talk in therapy talk to these dodo birds who don't even acknowledge that they have feelings? Come on, Louis, read the room. Also, he was like so therapied up and he was so obsessed with talking about his routine and feelings and all that, that I was like, you killed a person and <laughs> allegedly, I'm just, this is, I'm being ridiculous. He, I don't know if he's killed a person. I hope he hasn't, but it just gave me this feeling of like, this is a man who's done very, very dark things in his life. And now he's trying to like overcorrect and over therapy himself so that he doesn't have to address the bad things he's done. I don't know. Something about it gave me, you know, made the hair on the back of my neck stand up, or I should say the hair on my back because I'm a hairy brown person. Anyway, Joe Gorga doesn't get it. And honestly, neither do I, like I said. Then Melania has something to say. Melania's like, hey, stop talking about my dad. Again, they do the editing in a weird way where I don't believe that that's actually what Melania said. I think, again, going back to my theory last week, is I think what Melania said is, don't use my dad as a storyline. Stop talking about my dad on camera. It's the only thing you've ever brought to the show. Your wife has no storyline and you guys keep using my father. I don't think Melania said those exact words, but I think she said something around that. I do want to bring up that there's a lawsuit currently going on for one of Louis' companies. The Bravo docket just posted um, on Instagram about it, so you guys should go and check that out. But basically, Louis is a data broker, so personal data broker, I think they said. So he sells personal information to different companies, like contact information to different companies. And the reason why his company is being sued is because People have tried to put themselves on like a do not call list and his company still does it anyway. And I guess that is in breach of some sort of term 
I don't know. I'm probably messing this up, but just go over to the Bravo Docket Instagram page and go check that out. It's a little different than Jen Shaw's suit, by the way. It's very different because Jen Shaw's suit is that she was selling businesses to people and taking money from them without actually providing them with any business. What Louis's company did is just annoy people <laughs> and not... And, you know, anyway, I'm probably messing it up. Like I said, just go check out the Bravo Docket Instagram page. Jackie has this kegger and everybody's getting ready to go there. Kiki Barber, I know her name is Tracy, but we're going with Kiki. Kiki Barber is getting a lot of scenes and I'm happy for her because I agree with her. She feels bad for Jennifer because of her own experience. And it's funny because I think, right, if (laughs) I do think that if this hadn't happened, Jennifer would be the first person to be like, oh, that Tracy is just like Marge. You know, she, she she's an adulteress and she cheats and she took somebody else's husband. Like, you know that Jennifer would be saying those things, but because Jennifer has to tuck her tail between her legs this season, she's getting as much sympathy as she can from Kiki slash Tracy. And it's interesting because like that could have been just a completely different situation. I also really like watching Tiki Barber iron his own clothes. Like the fact that they just were like in their master bedroom and Tiki Barber had out like his regular iron stand and he's just like ironing his clothes. I don't know, something about that. Like, you know, he folds it back up and puts it back into their master closet. Like something about that just felt very normal and I appreciated it. I was like, even NFL stars iron their own clothes. Marge is getting ready. And again, she says something like Jennifer has a double standard. And I'm like, I don't I don't think she does. She is. And if she does, yes, yeah, she has a double standard where she allows things that her husband does more so than other people. Jennifer doesn't like mistresses. Jennifer doesn't like people who sleep with other people's husbands. That's what she doesn't like because that happened to her. It's not that hard to understand. And again, she is going to make concessions for her husband more so than her coworker. That is going to happen. Is it shitty? Yes, but that's also human nature. They go to this party. I got to say the party looks very sad. It's a very weird bleak. And I know the whole thing was like, oh, it's a kegger. So like, let's not get fancy. But it was like, even the tables. I was like, okay, these are just like regular fold away tables. I just, it was weird. I didn't realize how tall Evan is. It's either that Evan is tall or the other men in the room are like the size of Polly Pockets. If you watched the Dumpster Dive Instagram live the other day where I was on, you know what I'm thinking about now, now that I said Polly Pockets. Anyway, they're all hanging out. Jennifer hasn't arrived yet. And Marge tells the women that she wants an apology. I I, I don't understand. And like, even as Marge is saying this, she's sort of like smirking. Like, she's really, really enjoying the fact that she did a thing to make this person miserable. And at this point, we've kind of like even left her reason for it, right? Like, she's just like, whatever, I just did it. And now she needs to apologize to me for being mean to me all these years. No. She doesn't have to apologize to you. She was horrible to you over many, many years. You are now being horrible back to her. But instead of just being horrible to her, you're now being horrible to her husband who's never done anything to you and her kids who've never done anything to you. So no, I I, I don't think that Jennifer needs to apologize to you, Marge. Also, it's very, very easy to lose your audience. I mean, we're seeing this now in OC, right? People don't like a pylon. People don't like an alpha to come into the room and flex and make the other person feel like shit. We're just human beings. We don't like that. And Jackie is one of those people. She doesn't want to pile on. We don't like Heather Dubrow piling on Shannon and threatening her. We just don't like that. And Marge is really 
losing it. She's losing this battle because she's just being petty. She's being petty and now she's smirking about being petty. So no, just admit that you did a terrible thing and be like, it's fine if Jennifer doesn't want to ever talk to me again, period. That's fine. Own that you did that, but don't say, what are you crying about? You have nothing to be sad about and now you need to apologize to me. That doesn't make any sense. Anyway, Kiki and Jackie do not want to pile on and they feel really bad for Jennifer and they're like, I just don't think that's fair for you to expect her to just not be sad. People are going to have emotions. Tracy, I'm going to call her Tracy because she was great this episode. Tracy's like, it's not fair. It's not nice. And you should have empathy for her as a mother and as a wife. That's not fair. Jennifer and Bill arrive and I love Jennifer's shirt because I own it and it's from Amazon. Jackie and Tracy go over to comfort Jennifer and to welcome her in. And at the same time, Marge, Melissa, and Dolores are sort of talking on the side and they're talking about her because she's in the room. But at the same time, they're like, I don't want to talk about her anymore. What else do you have to talk about? The fact that Dolores is no longer with David? Yeah, no shit. We know. You guys probably broke up months ago. This is so stupid. The men are playing games, whatever. Then Dolores comes over to Jennifer at the bar to talk to her. And Jennifer hilariously throws Jackie under the bus while saying, I don't want to throw Jackie under the bus. (laughs) Which is great. Like, disclaimering that you don't want to do that while doing it doesn't take away that you just did it. (laughs) But she tells Dolores that Jackie said that, you know, Dolores isn't really being the friend that you need right now, which I agree she's not. But Jennifer, you could have said those words. You could have said that to Dolores without throwing Jackie under the bus. And this is what drives me crazy about Jennifer. Like, Jennifer's not a good person. (laughs) But she's a great housewife because this is a major housewife move. Because later on, Dolores is like, well, do you feel like I'm not being a good friend? And Jennifer's like, I wish that you would do more. I need a little bit more. (laughs) That's it. That's all you needed to say. You needed to say, Jennifer, hey, listen, the other day at the townhouse, I didn't really feel like you had my back. That's it. You didn't have to say, well, Jackie says that you don't have my back. (laughs) That's fucked up, Jennifer. But Dolores, you know, that sets her off. That blows her casket, if you will. Jackie comes over and Jackie confirms it. Jackie says, yeah, I did say that. Jackie owns it. Jackie's very good at owning it. She says it. She said, yeah, I do think that you are more Marge's friend. I didn't really think you were being there for Jennifer. So I said what I said. And Dolores, like I said, loses it. Marge comes over and Marge even confirms what Jackie said, which is true, that Dolores is more Marge's friend than Jennifer's friend. And ultimately, like I said, Jennifer says, yeah, I need more from you. But at this point, Dolores is just mad. She just loses it. She gets in Jackie's face. She dismisses Jackie and she says, I don't need to hear it from this. And she calls Jackie this. I think this is what happened also in Salt Lake City. I think Lisa Barlow called Whitney this or that or it. She didn't use her appropriate pronouns and she lost it. Whitney lost it over that. So Jackie loses it too. I I would lose it too. Call me by my name, bitch. I'm in the room. You're at my party. Say what you need to say. Then Dolores gets in Jackie's face and is like, what are you going to do about it? As she's getting in Jackie's face, she says, don't talk in my face. And that's it. That's the end of the party. That's the end of the episode. It's a to be continued. And I hope it's a to be continued like Amanda's birthday where she was crying at the end of her party and just the next episode pretended like they didn't end on that. (laughs) 
it was a great episode, but I love this in Jersey, right? That these are the real things that happen. When you have a close friend who does a nasty thing, you can still be close to that friend and say, I think you did a nasty thing and still be their friend. And you can also still have empathy and sympathy for the person they did a nasty thing to, despite that person being your enemy. That's just called being a good human being. Jackie's a good human being. She is. She's a nice person. I think she's fair. Teresa, I do think, has a great point to say, I don't know why everybody's being so loyal to Marge when you guys all crucified me for saying that shit about Jackie's husband. And I get everybody else's point, which is like, well, Marge said it to Jennifer's face and you were spreading a rumor about Evan at his birthday party. I mean, they're both very fucked up things, but it, it's the same. It is kind of a similar thing. Ultimately, I think here's what it is. Everyone recognizes that Jackie is a nice person. She is. And they didn't think that it was fair that Teresa did that to Jackie or to Evan. But in this situation, they think that Jennifer deserves bad treatment because she's bad to people. But I don't think that that's the answer here. Like, I don't navigate the world that way. Just because you're a shitty person doesn't mean that I have to be shitty back to you. Because ultimately, that's on me that I'm being shitty to anybody, regardless of however much they deserve it. And look, it's not perfect because I certainly have done this myself. But the adult thing to do is to say, okay, I know that you're a terrible person, but I'm not going to stoop down to your level and be terrible back to you. But that's not the shit that makes television. Pettiness makes television. And Marge's pettiness is what is making the season so far. That's it for this episode. And I do want to say that I am traveling this weekend. And so the Saturday episode, I'm not going to be able to cover OC and Miami, but I am going to be releasing the Patreon that I did a couple of weeks ago with my brother, where we covered the Real Houses of New Jersey christening episode. And it was beloved by our patrons. So I thought, why not share it on the main feed as well? So we're going to release that on Saturday. So I hope you guys enjoy that bonus. Um, And if you want to hear more of that content, do support us on the Patreon. Um, But I'll be back next week on Wednesday to talk about Salt Lake City finale, more Summer House. Maybe I'll start incorporating Jersey to the Wednesday episodes. I don't know. Hopefully I can also get some guests on. Hey, if you're a podcast and you listen to our podcast, why don't you message me and tell me you want to be on the podcast? (laughs) I said podcast many times. Anyway, that's it. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. The reality is, is now on Patreon, and here are some of our fabulous supporters. Tracy Newman, my presence is a gift, so remember the thank you note. Lily, some people say I'm too much, but she's just starting. Marl Farsi, reading is fundamental, and in Farsi, the reads are monumental. Tracy Masters, when you're the master of your own destiny, no one can take you down. Amanda Agosti, some Amandas are tech spots, but this Amanda is as real as it gets. Ade Adedokun, it may look like I'm stirring the pot, but actually I'm just smoking it. Paula Bretrude, if you think I'm a bitch, you're probably right, and you probably deserved it. Lola Del Rio, whatever Lola wants, Lola gets, and I get it all. Naveen Jonathan, I'll give you the shirt off my back, and also by unsolicited opinion. Jada, people are intimidated by my great success and my great ass. 
Deepa Kanapoli. Some people say I have secrets, but at least they're not federal indictments. Hadil Ibrahim. Some things are too hot to handle, like me and the tea I spill. Srinidhi Subramaniam. I have four degrees, eight syllables, and zero Fs to give. Shannon Anthony. There's no fun in moderation, but there's plenty of shade. Brianna Tooney. Some people strive for perfection, but I'm already there. Rita Ryan. Don't be fooled by my Midwest charm, because I'm nobody's fool. And finally, Beth Bayer. The secret to my success is staying out of your BS. 